When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charged Up Studio. This is Dana Olivo with Market Atomy LLC and my co-host. Sandra Dorsey with Sendor Capital Limited. Welcome back. All right. Well, today we have a gentleman who is the Seminole County Clerk of Circuit Court and the Comptroller, Grant Malloy. Hi there. Thanks for having me in the studio today. I'm charged up. All right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> So Grant Malloy grew up in a family business, Gabriella Nurseries, right? Gabriella Growers. Growers. Well, okay. my dad had a different business. His was called the Backyard Nursery. It was a retail place on Lake Howe Road over in the uh, south part of the county. Right, right. But you grew up in the nursery business. Yes. Uh, for how many years? 25 years, well, you said? Dad, yeah, my dad years? had his business for about 25 years, and I've had mine about 20, well, 25 going on close to 30 now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then your son is running it now, right, correct? Right, right. My right. son, Shane. What a legacy, my goodness. When I entered office, he, he said he wanted to run it, which really surprised me because, you know, when, when you're, you have a family business and you try to get your kids involved, especially when they're young, like, oh, I don't want to do that. It's hard work. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you got to threaten. I'm like, well, if you want food on the table, you got to. And how old is he now? Uh, he's 25, going on 20, I think he's 26 now. And how long has he been doing it? He's been doing it three years. So That's after I got good. elected, he came to me and says, hey, I want to do it, Dad. I said, you sure? I was like, surprise me. And he's doing, oh, a, no. he's doing a great job. Really? Yeah. You yeah. didn't really? leave any subliminal messages while he was sleeping. And then one day he just said, okay, I'm in. Yeah, God works in mysterious ways. Indeed. And, and he's been doing a great job in the business. It's doing better under him than under me, so wow. he's, he's a lot smarter okay. than I am. Well, well, you've got three children. Now, what are the other two doing? The other two are, are still not interested in the business. So are they just, younger? They're younger, yeah. Uh, they're still okay. trying to figure out they what they— They still have time. They're trying to figure out what they want to do. <laughs> they still have time. Okay. All right. Well, um, let's see. Grant, he ran on a platform to clean up Castleberry and pledge to serve— for only eight years, which you stuck to. That's when I was a county commissioner. Well, I had right. some other ideas, too, like not raise taxes, you know, uh, right. term limits, things like that. What did you learn through those eight years? Well, I learned I was naive when I got into politics. I thought you could uh, go in there and talk about ideas and persuade people, agree and disagree, you know, and the majority rules, but the minority gets heard. And what I learned is, uh, you know, if you don't have three votes, uh, it's pretty much over. <laughs> And what happens behind the scenes often dictates what happens at the uh, dais, you know, right. so, and it's true at any level of government, you know, so um, 
you know, the the dynamic I'm going to change the world uh, hits reality when you see how politics works. Right, and, right. You know, that's a whole nother podcast, right. as Sandra says. <laughs> and, it's, and it's true because I even have those idealistic ideas sometime and saying, you know. But you can make a difference. And, you know, we, we made a difference. Castleberry was one of the areas that's changed dramatically. And, and, it, and it wasn't the politicians did it. We had to go to a petition drive. Wow. And the citizens of Seminole County did it. And I was happy to be part of that. That goes way back there. It's like uh, 90, 98 or so. I forget. Two, well, that's 2000. democracy. That was the year 2000, yeah. <laughs> well, that's democracy on itself right mm-hmm. there. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, let's see. Okay, so uh, let's go on a little bit. There's some leadership tips that you had learned, that you've learned not only through business but also through your time in government. Right. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, uh, being a business owner, you know, you're you're in charge of a lot of things. You're you're multitasking. You're juggling a lot of balls. Uh, everything comes down to the you know employees. You got to get things done, and you got to get it done on time. And I remember in in when I was going to University of Florida, I took a management class, and and they talked about how important it was to go down to the front line and talk to the employees and find out what's going on. So uh, they gave an example about a factory that the, the it was a garment factory. The clothes, mm-hmm. uh, the production went down. Uh, cost, you know, costs were up. Uh, complaints were up. Returns were up. Uh, the management couldn't figure out what happened. They bring in these consultants. The consultants come in. They look at all the books. They go to the they go to the front line. They talk to the seamstresses. They find out what the problem was somebody purchasing switched to a cheaper thread, saving like a penny a spool, and that led to all the problems because the clothes fell apart and yada yada. So. When I got elected, one of the things I did is I went and talked. We have 200 employees. I went around and talked to every one of them. Mm. It's like, hey, what's going on? What do you need to do a better job? You know, what can I do to, you know, how can we make this process work better? And that's really, to me, as a business owner, it's helped me in uh, the clerk's office is to go in and look at processes from a fresh perspective. And there are so many things we have changed and tweaked to make it uh, more efficient, more uh, more information to citizens, better service, more products, so to speak. And uh, you know, I love to touch on some of those things we've done. But uh, setting the goals, encouraging the employees, you know, hearing them and, and giving them what they need, and the management as well. Right. You know, and I can talk more about that. But that's uh, to me about leadership. There, you're walking in. And you're coming in with fresh eyes and you want to hear from everybody. And your goal is to have the best office in the state, to have the best service for the citizens that are coming in, you know, treat them with respect, uh, you know, get them in and out as quick as possible and and help them with their issues. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. It's almost you've heard the show or you've probably seen it, Undercover Boss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that show. I I think that's a great show Mm. where the boss actually engages himself Mm -hmm. into, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, I'm glad to hear that because uh, nowadays when we talk about working for a company and mm-hmm. working for yourself mm-hmm. or as an entrepreneur, you know, ownership is the, the critical aspect there. And when you're working for somebody, unless you're engaged in the process, it's difficult to Absolutely. own your position. Absolutely. And so when you talk about the top-down approach or the uh, the approach where the people at the top actually get into the trenches and ask, what you're doing is you're creating an environment mm-hmm. of ownership. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whereas they feel as though they're making a difference. And that goes 
a long way to holding on to employees. Right. That's true. When, when the employees have, and I've noticed it on some of these new systems mm-hmm. that we've put in place, uh, we've had, you know, different team leaders uh, uh, that have been, in, you know, at the helm of it, whether right. it's a new recording software, new jury duty management uh, system, whether it's some, some of the IT innovations, you see somebody in charge of that project, then you see it work out, and now they take ownership uh, of that part of the office. Right. The, the nice thing about this office, too, being the clerk of the court, is uh, it's totally different from, like, the commission where it's collaborative. You have to have, you know, three votes to, to mm-hmm. affect public policy. And then, but you don't run the county. There's a professional county manager that does that. Right. So it's just some, somewhat of, of a limited aspect. Whereas this office, I am the manager. I am, the quote, you know, so to speak, the business owner of right. this office. The decision office. maker. And uh, I'm able to get things done a lot quicker because I don't need to go, you know, get two other votes. Uh, obviously, you need the support of, you know, your team behind you and explain things and move it through. But I, my name's on the door, so I get to right. call the shot. So that right. has made it a lot different and makes it takes a lot of these uh, business lessons I've learned growing up at my, with my dad's place, working here, there, and then running my business. I'm able to translate that into the clerk's office. Right. And as the um, the clerk of the, of the circuit court, you've got, what, 200 employees underneath the, you? Right now there's about 205, 204 employees. We're at seven locations. And to give you an overview of the office, there's four main things we do. We have all the court records, so we're the source of information the access to the court system, whether it's the circuit or the county at the state level, uh, we do that. And that's thousands of, you know, hundreds and hundreds yeah, of tasks involved. Yeah, and it involved. requires technology, innovation. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yes. Exactly. P- p- very, very pivotal. Uh, we have all the uh, records, uh, property records, mortgages, deeds. So we're the foundation of property rights. Tra- real estate transactions in the county are right. all recorded by us. We do all the independent auditing uh, of county government. Uh, we have uh, an inspector general's office that uh, we can look at county waste, fraud, and abuse. We also can audit guardianship cases, which I'd love to talk about later to p- protect fraud in those right. cases. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing is we're the comptroller where we have the checkbook and the savings account for the county commission. So we're in charge of reviewing all spending, make sure it's done properly, legally, and invest all county funds, which right now it's at a record high. It was uh, start off the year about six hundred and six million dollars. So that's invested in different. It's a lot, it's a of, lot responsibility. of money. Responsibility, yeah, so. right? So do you think that many small business owners think about is at what point do you delegate or at what point do you right. keep the decision in your hand? Well, the the way I do it is we have a, a, a leadership team. I call it. It's it's made up of our different directors, mm-hmm. and I entrust them with the goals that I've given. You know, to manage their responsibilities is. Uh, as best I can. If there's a you know a big decision, I need to know about it. Obviously, I need to watch the spending. Need to you know trust but verify. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then I trust them to hire you know the people underneath them to make sure everything is organized. But there are certain rules to that. Like we have to cross train. We have mm-hmm. to have you know if somebody calls out sick, there's got to be somebody else there. Right. You know, we need to. Uh, one of my goals is to go to a more full service at each location. We're doing that more and more. But I want you to be able to come into the courthouse and take care of just about anything you need to do in one location and not have to go around to different right. places. No, very Excellent. good. And so, it, you know, it's it's interesting that you we talk about, we jumpstart with to business, but we want to get to know you a little bit about your family and because you pretty much, this is pretty much your first outside gig, well, your second outside gig because you grew up in the family business and then you started your own company in which where you brought in your family. So when you became a politician is when you started having an employer. 
outside of your you know. yes yes that's true yeah because I never really I worked for my dad and yeah. I worked for myself at University of Florida I did work for the school there for for uh, while I was in college for for a little bit in their greenhouses but you're right yeah this is kind of my first time I'm working for other people I work right. for the citizens mm-hmm. of right. Seminole County and I hate the word politician because right. you know that means the Latin der- derivative is poly means many and and ticks is blood sucking insects. Oh right? my goodness! So <laughs> that was not the insinuation, I but pre- thanks for the clarification. I <laughs> statesman, and now that I've statesman, got a lot of gray you hair, are, Mr. elder Malloy. statesman, you know, the elder states. Well, you're not yeah. there yet. That yeah. means I would have to accept uh, elder as well. So okay. <laughs> yeah, but how did that transition? At what point? Because that, all that freedom that you have, well, quote unquote freedom, because as a business owner, you're responsible for all of it. Mm-hmm. But then to sort of sign away that freedom to become um, accountable to other people, how was that transition for you? Well, it wasn't hard at all. I I I stay I, I try to stay as humble as possible. You see a lot of people running for office, they get elected, and yeah. as uh, Johnny McLeod, the old attorney from Apopka, told me, he goes, what is it? it's the most interesting thing. People get old. I mean, they, they get elected, and their IQ goes up, you know, <laughs> 20 points overnight, and all of a sudden, they go from listening to telling you how they know how to run a water system, and they don't know about transportation. It's, it's kind of true, you know, so I, I just stay humble and recognize that, you know, I, it's a four-year term. Mm-hmm. I work for the citizens, and I need to do the best I can and if I keep 51% happy, then, you know, I've, I could run for a second term. But I, it hasn't really affected me much. I don't, you know, I don't consider myself any, anybody more special than right. the, sure. the regular person, you know, whoever walks in my door next. We're That's all the same. Cool. Well, he's very accessible. But I wanted to ask, would you compare that to a, a small company considering acquire, um, setting up a board? Because you now become – I've seen boards fire their, um, their – the CEO. You know, Steve Jobs, I think, was fired at some point before mm, he, he came left. back 10 years later. So that's a conversation, isn't it? It's when you are considering as a small business, small to medium size, to go from private to public. So are the citizens the board? Is that what I you're saying? So. Mm-hmm. I, I would think so. I would think so. I mean, yeah. you work at the will of, of the people. Yeah. So, um, if so not, some people, it, the, you know, the audience may say, well, this doesn't relate to me. I don't see how. But as you grow your company and you're bringing in outside voices, you know, more stakeholders, mm-hmm. then you definitely become, you have less, um, how can I say, more less leverage and you become more accountable to other people than you, rather than just being the solo, the solo practitioner or the solo owner. Or the solo decision maker, I want to say. Well, well, I don't need. I don't know if even in business, if you're really the solo decision maker, right. because ultimately, what it boils down to is your customers and exactly. their and their and their expectations. That's what drives the business. Right. Yeah. There's similarities there. I mean, if, if as a private uh, business owner, if I don't make people happy, right, then they're not going to buy products from me. I have to make them happy in order to make a profit. And the same thing with, uh, with being government. a clerk of the yeah. court. I have to make people happy uh, in order to ser- if I want to serve again. Absolutely. So that's uh, so much of our office is, is focused on the customer service. And we've done a lot of, of great things to really enhance uh, uh, Seminole County and make mm-hmm. it work better for people. And that's why I ran. I didn't run to, you know, uh, you know, be called the honorable or whatever. I ran to make a difference. And so I, should we call you the honorable? No, no, no. no. Just call me Grant. <laughs> But and I think that's an important thing. When people are running for office, you need to try to discern, cut through, you know, all their campaign flyers mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Call them directly. Ask them questions backwards. You know, like uh, where they don't know what you're trying to find out. Right. But you want to find out basically: are people running to do something, mm-hmm. 
or are they running to be something? And Absolutely. if they're running to be a politician, you don't want them. You Absolutely. want somebody that has uh, some thoughts, some 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 substance, yeah, and some uh, passion of of what it is they want to do, and and you know where they're going, and what what should government do? Some of those bigger discussions like that, and and. You know, often you get people running that just trying to placate and, and fool you to get in there. So you got to figure out between what what their motivation is. Interesting. Well, let's um, let's talk about. You've been in your current position for what? Uh, three years. Three years, mm-hmm. and you said that you've made a lot of changes mm-hmm. and you've you, you've had a lot of successes. What do you see? Over the next three years, well, some of the things, and I don't know if I get to talk about yes, the things we've yes, done so far, ahead. but um, technology is always, always, especially always when you're huge. dealing with that yes. much data. Yeah, we get three million pages of uh, documents per year that come through. There, are, you know, thousands of cases. There's criminal. There's civil. There's juvenile. There's um, misdemeanors. You know, there's probate. There's appeals. There's so much information that comes through. Protecting it, um, making it you know uh, efficient that you can access that information. You know, it used to be you had to drive down the courthouse, go get your paper file, you know, and look through the copy. Right? right. Nobody wants to do that anymore right. for good reason. And if we tried to operate that way, you know, we couldn't function because our budgets aren't big enough to hire that many people to uh, exactly. process all that paper. So uh, we've invested heavily uh, when I got there in technology, and and one of our goals this year is to go paperless. Uh, this has been a long project going on. We had to put the infrastructure in, but uh, to go to a paperless file file system throughout the courthouses, uh, there's a lot of benefits to it. A lot of other counties have already been there, and um, that's one of our big goals right now. Uh, but technology and it changes. You know, if, uh, I'm doing right. a seminar at the next right. clerk conference on technology. You know, and I was looking th- through some history. In 1913, the county was founded. The first clerk was E. A. Douglas. And the records were all in cursive handwriting on paper. Yeah. And that was it. You know, there were no copy machines. They didn't even have a typewriter. They so, didn't have one of those, um, um, what do they call those machines, those old scanning machines? No, no, no. <laughs> I doubt they had an air conditioner in, in the courthouse, right? So and if you could thought, if you were Clerk Douglas there in 1913, what would life look like 50 years later in mm. 1963, right? Where we have the microfilm and- That's and what this, I was talking about. Yeah, yes. this imaging yes. there, right? Now, now, 50 years after that, from 1963, all that stuff is just junk, right? right. We're in a whole different world now. Right. And then where is it going to be? Because now we're, you know, we're going to the cloud eventually with cybersecurity, that, yeah. all of that. How how are we going to protect our documents? How are you protecting our mm-hmm. documents? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then where is it going to be fifty years from now? Exactly. Can we even fathom that? So Imagine. that's where. You know, it's all uh, artificial intelligence. We just I'm <laughs> passionate about blockchain technology. I, I, you know, I'm one that says it's time. It's time. We have uh, some software now that automatically redacts because the artificial intelligence is uh, a, a, an increasing field where uh, auto auto redaction mm-hmm. and some of the technology coming up was you could literally talk to like an Alexa app and it tell you what courtroom to go to and provide customer service. So things are getting you know, kind of different out there wow. in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for government employees? Are they, um, you know, indispensable? I mean, at this point, artificial intelligence, are we going to see that, you know, everything's going to be automated in future government offices? Uh, there's going to be more automated, and we're a lot more automated now than we used to be. There's still ways to go, but we're doing, we're processing more cases today with 
approximately the same amount of employees that were in 1990. Mm -hmm. And actually, in, in the year 2006, we had a, there were about uh, two dozen more employees than we have today. So we're doing more with less. That's good. And that's probably going to be a trend that continues. No, that's very good. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, – You've got some things here that you're you're working on, I guess. Well, we've done a lot of things. Uh, one of the first things we did uh, was the assess technology. Uh, the previous clerk didn't allow credit card, debit cards, things mm -hmm. like that. It's a whole different world now. Right. You, know, you, you just can't pay cash. Not right. Yeah, you can't pay cash or check. You know, young people don't even know what a check, check is. is. Yeah, right. exactly. No. <laughs> so uh, credit card, debit cards, Apple Pay, Google Pay, all those options. Pay through online. We have a, a, a system now that if you're on a payment plan, it'll text you. It'll text you a link right That's to your good. case so you can pay right through your phone. So making everything mobile app friendly is uh, one of the first things we did. We put in a new domestic violence service center because uh, we do injunctions. We process those. Right. We had a very small, basically a closet. It was it did not have much dignity for a lot of the people coming in and domestic what, violence. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Uh, well, one of the first things I did was at the civil courthouse, we processed the injunctions. And I would walk in there and I would see in the aisles uh, ladies with clipboards and sometimes tearing up. And they're filling out this thing on a clipboard. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's going on here? And the injunction office was basically four chairs and a desk. Like it was basically like a little closet. And I said, no, no, this, this is not, this is not going to work. Right. So we worked with the county. We thanks to going paperless and reducing some of the staff, we had mm -hmm. extra space across the hallway. We moved out uh, small claims. We converted it to two private offices plus a waiting room, plus we co-located Safe House of Seminole, which is the domestic violence shelter. They can do things like provide attorney help, emergency shelter, food assistance, that sort of thing. It's located exactly right next to us. So now when you come in, it's a dignified thing. You can sit down, you talk to a clerk in private, you can go see Safe That's House. Much more respectful. So, so you're partnering. So, so in yes. other words, the government's partnering with a nonprofit right. entity mm -hmm. to That's help great. these. That is better these so, to have those conversations. And I'd say right. it's probably the best I've seen at any courthouse right. uh, uh, as how we treat people when they come right. in in those situations. Right. Uh, doing things like uh, trying to help people get out of jams. Uh, there's been a lot of coverage about folks having their license suspended for not paying a traffic ticket. Well, we worked with the judges here in, in Seminole County. And if you have a suspended driver's license, come in and see us. We'll get you on a payment plan. And if you enter into that, you don't have to pay the whole you know, $300 off the bat or whatever your fee is. You can pay a fifth of that. We'll reinstate your license right then. So mm -hmm. it's a way to get people back on their feet. We right. do payment plans with folks that have criminal fines and fees. Uh, we've made it a, a lot easier to kind of maneuver through the mm -hmm. system. Uh, so there's a lot of other things we've done. Um, guardianships. Uh, guardianship audits mm -hmm. was something new we did. Uh, before I was in office, there virtually was just a very cursory review of guardianships. These are basically uh, disabled people, elderly people, uh, folks, minors that can't be in charge of their mm -hmm. own um, right. estate. And people were they'll, taking advantage yeah, of them. There'll yes. be a uh, guardian put in charge of that ward. So what we do is we have one uh, auditor that's dedicated to reviewing all guardianship cases. Also, you can call us and tip us off if you see some fraud going on in the guardianship right. cases. We review those. We make reports available to, to the judges. They have expressed how helpful it is as they look at these cases because they never had the time to do that before. They can look in detail as to how spending is going on and we'll flag things. And obviously, if there's something illegal, we'll, we'll talk to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and turn over them. And uh, they've been invested. They're taking a much more closer look right. at guardianship fraud. Yeah. So that's something new we've done. 
Uh, we've uh, put a new wedding chapel was another uh, advantage of having open space due to going paperless. Nice. And uh, if you go to Sanford, it's, wow. it is the nicest wedding chapel for $30 plus little things. He just little pl- thing. made a plug for his, <laughs> his gig. SeminoleClerk.org. <laughs> I haven't plugged that yet. <laughs> SeminoleClerk.org. So um, you, we even threw in other things like we'll do a thumb drive of the photos and a video for you plus a plus a nice uh, frameable certificate for $25. So I throw it. Yeah. That's my business. You can tell us you heard it first on the revenue. Charged Up. You can say that you heard it first on yeah. the Charged Up studio. So that's part of my business owner mentality. Yes. It's like, hey, what can we do? You know, I'm still trying to get champagne in there, but I don't think that's no, – I'm joking. Joking. We're not going to do that at Courthouse. Let's, let's talk a little bit about jury duty. Jury duty. When, when I got there, it was handwritten notes, right, uh, that get thrown into basically a little, you know, uh, hat, and that's how we select jurors. Really? The lines could sometimes back up like 60 people in a line. Oh. I'm telling you, twice. Uh, did you? Twice did you? I've been down there, spent the entire day yeah. down there, only to be dim- dismissed because they didn't get to my number. Well, wow. Yeah, and that can still happen because the judges will let us know when, who to call up to what room. We try to call in as minimal as possible, mm-hmm. but the check-in process would take like an hour. It was just horrible. We have a system now. It's basically like the uh, if you do if you pre-register online, you just walk in like those airlines and you do scan your barcode and you walk in. So the lines are gone. Uh-huh. We can process reports easier. So that's part of that innovation of of looking at. So there are no lines at jury so duty you're anymore. So streamlining all mm-hmm. of this, making this more effective, and that's what as a translating that into a small business mindset is that you want to manage your time by making your processes more effective. Yes. In more yes. um so how can I say more implementing more controllable and procedures. Yes. yes. Right. And yes. Yeah, cuz everybody comes through that door. I don't care if you have a if you're an attorney with a suit or or you're somebody coming in, you know, shorts and a t-shirt to pay a criminal fine or whatever. You're all, you know, important people that need to be treated respectfully and as quickly and as professionally as possible. So, so so lesson learned. So Tell me what was the one thing that your father passed on to you that's gotten you this this far in your your professional journey? I think it's always to think outside the box. Always uh, uh, look at Definitely. things with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me once that uh, you can't compete with the big kids you know, in a small business. So you got to go find that niche. You got to do something a little different. And that's how I have approached my campaigns. You know, I can't compete against the big money guys. So I got to do things different. I got to go talk to people one on one. You and know. and also understand that you don't have all the answers. Right. You know, even though you're you're set in your ways by thinking. I mean, I do this with my husband all the time. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I don't second guess him anymore mm-hmm. because a lot of times when I go and check it out, he's right. Right. So, you know, other keeping clerks, an open mind that mm-hmm. way. And other yeah. clerks have been very helpful um, to go visit other courthouses like right. our, our self-help center we want to do. Mm-hmm. And we're putting in place right now the civil courthouse to help people maneuver through the system and file their, their uh, small claims and other cases uh, easier. Uh, we, you know, we went to Orange County to look how they were doing and say, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it over here. I'm right. very good at copying things. Well, that's you know? humility you, you as know, well. That's what they call it. You know, why, why reinvent the wheel? Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. It's, yeah. a, it's, you know, it's, it's, it takes a great man to say, you know what? I didn't make this. I didn't create it. I got it somewhere else, but it's working for me. That's wonderful. And, and, and getting back to what you brought to this, uh, through, to your position, okay, was your business knowledge. Mm. Look at what's happening in the federal government mm-hmm. right now, okay? Mm-hmm. In all honesty, you know, when you have a bunch of politicians that have never really had a business, right. 
you know, you're not running it, you know, the way it should be run. Right. Right. You know, so uh, I'm not trying to get onto a political. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I if don't want to do this, this door. I Sandra don't will do run right through it. <laughs> but um, in all honesty, you know, that's the way government needs to be run is like a business. Right, exactly. OK. Um, so and we're know your customers. The government needs to understand yes. the customers and the current the people who are being successful in customers. politics right now understand the voters. Right. So we're rounding down to the end of this half hour with Grant Malloy, and and we're real excited to have learned a lot about. How, are you a Florida native? I've lived in Florida since kindergarten. Originally from Me Texas. Too. My my family, my grandma immigrated to Texas and ah, on a farm, okay. and I was born in Houston. But grew, grew up here. I've lived in Simmel County since kindergarten. Mm. I won't right. tell you how long ago that was. But sim- it's if, not if, as long as me. <laughs> if, if people want to see all the things we do or see financial reports or find out more about the court system, SeminoleClerk.org is our website. There's a lot of things coming down the pipeline to, to make things more convenient for citizens, too. Excellent. Well, well thank look, you so much for your service. Yes. The You're Honorable Grant Malloy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. So that's the end of this half hour. This is Dana Oliva with Market Academy LLC. Sandra Dorsey with Sendor Capital Limited. Another wonderful session. With Grant Malloy. You can reach us at chargedupstudio.live. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We also invite you to join us on Patreon as a supporter for Charged Up Studio. Thank you once again for joining us for this session. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.